And welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to part two of this episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I am your host, as always, Tony Defio. If you stuck with me on YouTube and Facebook, I certainly offer you my gratitude. Thank you. And if you downloaded part two on iHeartRadio, Spotify, St- Stitcher, you name it, iTunes, I thank you for that too. Um, so if we have more people in, in in, in uh, the live chat, we have Bob Yeager, uh, Chad Landsman from Facebook, Mule Skinner, who, who starts things off with a really hot take. He's always bring, He always brings in, he says, Anderson wanted more money and the emperor laughed at him. I guess that was true. That free agency didn't exist back then, but he did stick, he did stick around until through the 94 season. And maybe, maybe he wanted uh, more money in, after that year, but Bill Cowher laughed at him. I don't, I don't remember how that unfolded but i know he left for for philadelphia before winding up with the vikings and that kind of infamous uh kick that he had in 98 then i think he he finished out with the titans but yeah uh he he definitely left as a free agent eventually and bobby Yeager has a a trivia question and this is one that i don't know maybe maybe the live chat can 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 uh, figure this out and he says trivia question who made the tackle on hollywood henderson on the opening kickoff reverse. Actually, I know who that it was Jarella, right? I think that's he he hurt his ribs. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, is he the one who made that tackle? So and Ryan O'Toole says the important people are here. That's true. It's true. We're all we're all important people, but the really, really important ones are here right now. So the third topic I wanted to get into is bad weather games i'm a i'm a bit of a runner not a great runner i kind of i'm kind of average to below average depending on who, who you ask or who i'm running with and the last three nights i had the worst luck tuesday wednesday and thursday during my runs i got hit with a torrential downpour and i was totally drenched all the way through to my is this censored my underwear if you can believe that everything was just drenched and uh, it was awful, and it was miserable, and I hate being wet, especially when my feet get wet. And, uh, of course, no phone when your underwear gets wet either. But anyway, that's beside the point. So three straight nights, I had to come home and, you know, again, it's just, uh, I don't want to, you know, like gross you up, but I take off all my clothes and put on new clothes. And uh, I guess that's my, my way of saying I hate bad weather. And uh, the worst game I ever went to as far as the elements for me it's not, not having a great time, not, not enjoying myself. It was back in 2013, near the end of the year. The Steelers were the Steelers were five and eight, and it looked like they like, like they were out of the playoff hunt. And if you remember that year, they famously got back into the playoff race and should have made it if it wasn't for uh Ryan Suckup at the end, uh missing a field goal in a Chiefs uh Chargers game. But anyway, they were five and eight. It, they looked like they were out of it, and my boss at the time. And I think he was trying, I think he was trolling me looking back on it. Anyway, he, uh, he gave me two free tickets. So I took my uncle and I think that was the lowest attended well, up until last year, of course, with the pandemic, it was the lowest attended game in the history of Heinz field. It was awful. It was, it was cold. It was windy. I could not stay. I could not get warm at all. Like I was sitting, we were sitting in the, in the upper deck uh, by the open end and, and my, my feet were frozen. I still have uh, like my one big toe on my right, my right foot. Anytime it gets cold, it goes numb. I, I think I suffered frostbite that night. 
But anyway, I spent like half the night, half the game trying to get warm in the men's room because that was the warmest place. And I wasn't the only one who had that idea. It was a pretty popular place that night. And I hated it. They won. It jump-started their, uh, their run at the end of the year. And they almost again, they almost made the playoffs. But I, hate, I was completely miserable. I hated every second that I was there. So um, uh, I guess my question to you is, when it comes to, to, to the elements, do you prefer extremely cold? Do you prefer snow? Do you prefer rain? Uh, or do you prefer it to be really, really, really hot and muggy? Or do you, or none of the above? If we're up to me, and I know this is Pittsburgh, and we're supposed to be tough, but I'm not tough. If we're up to me, they would build a, a dome on Heinz, uh, on the top of Heinz Field. They would put a roof on. If they did that, I would sign up for season tickets right away, and I'd go every go to every game because that's that's what I want. Or if I if I was really rich and I could afford luxury box uh, tickets or seats, I would I would do that. But but you know I, I'm okay with a dome. Give me a dome. I don't I don't like when it's hot. I don't like when it's cold. I don't like when it's raining. I don't like when it's snowing. I don't like when it's windy. I don't like any of that stuff. I want to be I want to have a roof over my head everywhere I'm at. So what about you guys? You like uh Mule Skinner says 87 and low humidity. He must be from San Diego or or somewhere out there. Ryan O'Toole says he loves snow. Uh, Russ Obenstein says, this is unrelated. He says, uh, what's up, Tony, and chat room, getting in late. Well, better late than never, Russ. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Brian Brown says, uh, it's Florida. I get wet more than I'd like. Hey, Brian, do you remember that 89 game between the Steelers and the Dolphins? It was, it was uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and it was a torrential downpour, uh, mainly in the second half, I think. And uh, Pittsburgh was down 14 nothing in that game. And they came back and won, I think it was 34 to 14. It was, it was one of my favorite games of all time. I have fond memories of that game, but that's because I was watching it uh, on TV. If I was there, I probably would have left. <laughs> and Chad Landsman from Facebook says, cold weather is fine. You dress more layered. Yeah. I, I, I agree in theory, Chad, but it's never worked for me. Like I, I, I can, I can put on the proper amount of, of, uh, you know, layers, but it's always my, my hands and my feet, and of course, if you're if you're the internet and you're always making fun of my my hair, the top of my head it gets cold. But it's mainly my hands and feet that just that just go numb on me, and 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 it's it's miserable. And Bob Yeager says snow. Jerome Bettis and his last game in Pittsburgh against the Lions, it was snowing. Yeah, I remember like a few games before that, that famous uh, Brian Urlacher game uh, against the Bears at Heinz Field, where he ran over Urlacher on the way to a touchdown. So, and Mill Skinner, he's in Florida. Wow, good for you. You guys are in Florida. I wish I was there. Well, not maybe this time of year, but certainly in December, I wish I was there. So, I have one more topic, and that is actually not Steeler related, but but it's fun related. And that's, I don't know if, you, if any of you out there are college football fans. I certainly am. I love college football. And um, it, was, it was announced on Thursday that the whatever committee, some committee made up by a bunch of presidents, conference uh, presidents, uh, they're, they're proposing a, a 12 team college playoff. And I was trying to read it and follow it. And, and it looks a little convoluted. It looks a little complicated, but I think we'll get used to it and they'll probably, they'll probably work the bugs out. But at any rate, uh, I think it was a long time coming. 
You know, I think for years they, they basically, you know, we, you know how it used to be in college football, how they would have won a national title. They just voted for a team at the end and whoever got the most votes was the national title or national champion. Even if they finished fourth uh, prior to the bowl game, if they, if, if everything fell in front of them and like the top three teams lost and they won, they were suddenly the national title or I keep saying that, the national champion, even if they beat like some, you know, lesser team, you know, it was just weird. And then of course they went to the BCS and, and, and it was, it was one game between two teams. Of course it's one game. And then of course they went to the four team playoff in, in 2014, but I never thought any of that was enough. I always thought they should have expanded it. And now they have. And from what I understand, from what I've read, the uh, top four teams, the top four seeds are going to have a bye, and then it's going to be four through 12. And then it's going to be the quarterfinals are, the quarterfinals are going to come after that. And then they're going to, you know, obviously go from there. And I love it because I think it's, to me, I think it would give the, it would give the NFL playoffs a run for their money. Cause I don't know if you ever, ever watch college football on a regular basis, but there's a lot of passion for it around the country. Um, just two hours up the road from where I live. And you know, I'm not, a, I, I don't like Penn state, but I got to give it to their fan base. They're loyal and they could play anybody and a hundred thousand people will fill, uh, fill the stadium. Uh, West Virginia's down the road, an hour down the road. They're another uh, rabid fan base, obviously SEC country, Alabama, Auburn, uh, LSU, you name it, you know, Tennessee, those stadiums were always hundred percent filled to capacity, Florida, blah, blah, blah. You go, you can go on and on. So, I mean, you know, if you have like two or three dozen fan bases that think that they have a chance to, to make this 12 team playoff. Wow. You know, people, people like to say that it would, it would dilute the uh, competition down the stretch and create more meaningless games. I don't think so. I think you're going to, it's going to create more meaningful games because that's what this thing is designed to do. It's designed to keep uh, more interest with, with the fans and, and, and keep more teams invested up until the very end. You know, uh, if you have a chance to be the, you know, the 12th seed in a, in a playoff, uh, tournament as opposed to playing in the Gator Bowl, you know, you're going to be more more um, incentivized if you're a player and you might not sit that game out you know, just because you have, you know, an eye towards the, uh, a professional career. So I, I, I'm really, really, really excited about it. Like of, of all the new things that have come along in a, in a sporting sense over the last five, 10 years, this is the thing that really has me incredibly excited. And I don't know if it's going to really give the NFL playoffs a run for their money, but I think it might surpass the NCAA tournament, basketball tournament, in terms of just pure excitement. So I think this is, to me, this is like, you know, people always say it's like your Christmas morning. Well, this is like, this would be like my Christmas morning, uh, getting, uh, uh, getting to watch these games every week when, whenever, they, whenever it does take place. Hopefully it's sooner rather than later. I heard the earliest will be 2025, but hopefully they, they figure out a way to, to have it happen earlier, but we'll see. But I think, you know, the one thing I, I miss about, uh, uh, you know, the pre-pandemic life was watching college football with a full stadium. Because I, I, could, I could take it with the NFL. I think, you know, that's more of a quote-unquote clinical kind of atmosphere. At least that's what a lot of people claim that they want. They want the players to just, you know, do their jobs and not celebrate, you know. Whereas college college football is all about celebrating and, and constantly, you know, being into it and, and you know, 
doing dances and waves and, and orchestrated celebrations in the stands and the end zone, everything. So, you know, I, I, as I wrote about a few years ago, I think, we, you know, if college football, I mean, if, if the NFL was more like college football, I think it'd be a more fun product to watch. I think a lot of people involved with the NFL from the, from the owners to the coaches to the players, to even the fans and the media are too tightly wound, you know, for a game, you know, whereas college football, they have no problem showing their passion. And, and I just, again, I just, I'm just so excited about this, this proposed uh, uh, 12 team playoff. Hopefully it goes through and I think it will, you know, I think if, if they're proposing it, I think it's going to happen. So. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, all I have for tonight, actually, you know, uh, as far as topics, but it leaves a little more time for you guys, as far as your c- questions and comments. So let's see what you got. And I'll start off with Russ, Russ, Russ Obenstein. And he says, going to PSU game is awesome experience in whiteout. Yeah, they have great. That's a great atmosphere when they, when they all, when they, when they all show up, all the fans show up in white, that's probably pretty darn intimidating. If you're a, if you're an opponent. Mule Skinner says, "Bama is uh, I missed it. Bama is a dynasty in, until Saban retires. Yeah, and probably afterwards too. I think. I mean, he's obviously very important, but you know, whoever gets that job, I mean, I don't think the pipeline is going to just dry up as far as recruits. I mean, pe- people know Bama is the place to to go, but it is kind of it is like extraordinary that that you know if you if you look at how how strong the SEC is and how much talent is in that conference from top to bottom." The fact that Bama is able to dominate the way they do, it's, it's amazing. And, and Saban, he might be the greatest college football coach of all time. Owen David asks me, and he says, hey, Tony, how are you? Hey, from England, 2.30 here. Wow, that is dedication. Are you the one, are you part of that fan club that, that followed me on Twitter? Because we have a, we had a, I had a great fan club, Steelers fan club from England that followed me on Twitter, and I followed back on Friday. And that's great to see. It just shows you. Steeler Nation really is Steeler World, Steeler Universe. It's just it's just all over the place worldwide. And Russ Russ says uh, um, Joe Paterno, the legendary coach from Penn State, he lobbied for twelve team playoff for years. I think a lot of people did, but I know I know uh, Paterno was definitely uh, vocal about it. And he also wanted a uh, an, an Eastern Conference, and he, want, he wanted Pitt and West Virginia to be a part of it, but that never happened. Um, maybe Pitt should have uh, took him up on that offer and, and created, but Pitt went into the uh, big East, which was great for them for basketball, but not so, not so much for football. And now we see today football is definitely the thing that drives the bus in college sports and uh, uh, Pitt's in the ACC, which is a great conference for college football, but you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if, if they really feel, feel at home there. They'd probably, it would probably make more sense for them to be in a big, the big 10 geographically, but what are you going to do? You know, it'd still be dwarfed by all those uh, other schools like Ohio State and Michigan, of course, Penn State. And Garrett Slinger, Lynn says, that's exactly why I can't stand college football. There's like 10 schools that get all of the top talent and, and steamroll the rest of the NCAA and people act like they're surprised. Well, that's that's why they're that's why they're um, that's one of the reasons why they're they're creating this or they're proposing this 12 team playoff is because they want. Uh, to give more teams a chance. But as far as uh, the recruiting side of it, I realize money's a big thing as far as, you know, facilities and maybe even some underhanded stuff. But really it's all about, uh, you know, if, if you win, if you have the right coach and you can, and, and you create a, a winning tradition, 
then you're going to get your recruits. I mean, you know, yeah, some schools, they have an inherent advantage like Notre Dame because of its national following. And of course, Bama because of its, its uh, uh, status and so many other schools. But if you, if you create a winning tradition, you're going to get people come to come to your, your program. It's just, you know, some, some schools just have, have advantages because of, of where they're located. You know, like, like if you look at college, college uh, basketball, uh, basketball is such a big thing in Tobacco Road, you know, North Carolina, Duke, uh, Virginia, North Carolina State, uh, you name it. So if you're a, a four or five star recruit there, you know, and that's where you're born, where are you going to go? You're going to go to one of those schools, you know, whereas, uh, you know, Pittsburgh, the Western PA, we don't, we don't uh, produce a lot of uh, basketball stars. So it's kind of hard to, 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 lure a, a four or five star recruit from that, from like, you know, the Kentucky, or I'm sorry, the Carolinas uh, over to Pittsburgh. The only way you do that is by establishing a tradition, getting to the final four a lot, uh, winning a national title or two. And Pitt came so close to doing that. And they, and they came up short. And I think if they would have gotten over to the, the, the hump once or twice as a program, they would have, uh, they would have been more of a powerhouse today. And, and they would have a, uh, Jamie Dixon would still be at Pitt. And they'd probably have a, a lot easier time getting recruits. You look at Syracuse with, with, with Jim Beheim, and uh, you know that's that school's in the middle of nowhere. Yet you know they're able to to win year in and year out, and and you know they've won I think one national title, but they're always in the hunt. So, and Owen David asked from England, which defender has the most sacks? Well, I think you got to go with T.J. Watt. He's gonna you know Brian and I talk about this on the Hangover all the time. He's gonna have. 16 and a half officially because that's the record. So if he gets 16 and a half, he's the, uh, the new single season uh, record holder. So I think that's what it's going to be. TJ Watt for short. And Dave Shipley asks, what do you think about Peterson talking great compliments for Harris? Peterson. Who's Peterson, by the way? Am I, am I, I can't think of who Peterson is, but anyway, Oh, you mean Adrian Peterson, AP. <clears throat> I think that's great. I mean, I don't know if he knows any more about him than anybody else. <clears throat> I know he's an Alabama alum, but I mean, you know, I think, I think the, the talent is obvious with Najee Harris. He just has to, to go out there and, and, you know, ho hopefully the, the, the line, you know, is, uh, gets better and, and, you know, he fits into the system and Matt Canada uses him properly. But, you know, as far as we, we talk about this all the time, as far as positions where a rookie, a rookie can step in and make a difference right away. Uh, it's running back. It's, it's, it's up there with maybe cornerback as far as you're just, you're just out there, you, you know, you utilizing your, your raw talent and, and, you know, the, the learning part of it, you know, that comes over time. Whereas other positions, obviously like quarterback, even receivers struggle so much in their, in their, in their uh, first couple of years. So uh, I think it's great. I mean, I, I think, you know, Harris is, is a tremendous talent and he just, um, it's just a matter. It might be just, he might be a, a big difference maker for them this year. Let's see what else we have here. <clears throat> and Ryan O'Toole asks, would you have paid to keep Connor as a number two and gotten rid of a couple of other running backs? I would have, I would have thought about it, but I think James Connor still uh, wants to be a starter somewhere. 
and maybe even if it's not in 2021 with the, with the Cardinals, I think it's where he went, Arizona. Uh, I think he wants to, you know, maybe go, be in a different environment, be away from all, you know, all the, uh, the, the Pittsburgh angle, the, the, the uh, Western PA former Pitt Panther angle and just go kind of be a football player somewhere and not be about a story anymore. Um, so I think he was going to, he was going to leave regardless, you know, unless they, they, they weren't going to overpay to keep him as the number two running back. So, I mean, I would, I would have liked it in a perfect world, but I don't, I don't think it was ever really going to happen. So, and here's one from thanks mean Joe. Would you rate AFC North as number one, Elite division in the NFL for 2021. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you look at the AFC. Um, the West is the Chiefs. I think the Chargers are, are going to be better this year. The Raiders, uh, you know, they're the Raiders. You just don't know what they're going to do. The Broncos, you know, I think they're until they get their quarterback situation uh, shored up. I don't know how how good they're going to be. As far as the East, I think it's the Bills, and then. I don't know. You know, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the Patriots have fallen off a little bit. I mean, they saw, they signed like half a new roster, which for some reason is a supposedly a great thing. You know, I don't know, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but there's certainly uncertainty at quarterback for them. And of course the Jets are the Jets. Uh, so you know, in the South, you have the Titans They're I think they're the best. They just traded for Julio Jones. I think they're definitely the class of that division. The Colts are pretty good. Uh, the Texans are, <laughs> you know, they're, they got a lot of problems. The Jaguars are obviously a, a work in progress. And as far as the NFC, um, yeah, I mean, obviously the East is always a mess. We know that. Uh, the West is pretty good usually. The, the Seahawks, the Rams, 49ers, uh, you know, uh, they had some injury problems last year. But I think they're, uh, they're going to be good this year as long as uh, they can figure out their quarterback situation. And then, of course, the, the, the North is, 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 is uh, going to be dominated by the Packers. More than likely, and in the the South, you have the Buccaneers. That's a that's a good division. The Buccaneers, um, uh, of course, Drew Brees retired. So yeah, I would have to give it to the uh, the North. Yeah, but I think if you, if you're calling in an elite division, that means Pittsburgh's pretty good because I don't think you can call a two team division elite. So yeah, I think I think they're going to go three deep. I think it's going to be a lot like uh, last year. You're going to get three teams in the playoff, at least in the playoff picture, all throughout the year. So. I think it's the best division of football, but we've seen that before. And I've said this, that's what frustrated me so much about the AFC East for all those years. It's like all those teams just, just waited for the, for the Patriots to just be bad. You know, waited for Tom Brady to leave essentially before they decided they were going to be a, they were going to contend for the division. They kind of laid down and played dead for almost two decades while the Patriots reigned supreme. But usually, you know, even the 70 Steelers had to contend with the Oilers and the Browns and the Bengals always nipping at their heels and trying to, you know, take what they had. And, uh, you know, and the Steelers have always had to deal with that. They've always had to deal with the Ravens or the Browns, even the Bengals when it, when it comes to trying to win a championship, not just a division championship, but a, but a Lombardi. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, um, it's been that way in, in the central, or, I'm sorry, the central. Wow. That's an old statement in the AFC North for a long time. And it's going to be that way again this year. So. All right. On that note, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a night. It was a fun show. I I I I had I struggled to find some stuff to talk about tonight, but it is the dog days of summer. 
that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, oh, here's one from Ryan O'Toole, and he says, what are you looking for, for from, from a Canada offense? Well, just basically a, a, a better running game. I mean, I'm not, I'm not when it comes to that. A better running game and, and, and more creativity, more imagination. As far as the X's, X's and O's, I I mean, I, I really don't have a – oh, wait a minute. I, I missed a super chat. But, yeah, I don't really have a, a lot of uh, – yeah, I just basically more aggression, more aggression in, 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 the, in the running game. I think they're, they're, they're making a, making a, um, a point to be more aggressive and, and to, and to uh, uh, run. I'm not necessarily like uh, predominantly a, a, a running offense, but, but be more effective at that and, 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 and try to create more balance. And I have a $5 super chat from Dave Shipley. And thank you for that, Dave. And, and he asks, or he says, I cannot wait for the slot and dime back competition. Love your show. Well, thank you. I can't wait for that either. I, there's a lot of things I, I can't wait for uh, as far as uh, I can't wait for training camp this year in, in, in the preseason. Like usually preseason is kind of boring. Like, uh, But this year I'm really, really excited because there's a lot of uh, shiny new toys uh, to, to, to see on display and, and, and watch do their thing this August. And, of course, if we're allowed to go, go watch them at training camp in Latrobe, but I thank you for the five dollars, Dave. And and again, on uh, on that note, I will I will call it a a a a, a night. And again, please check out behind the still curtain the website. Check us out on on any audio platform. Uh, check us out on YouTube and Facebook, uh, both uh, as far as podcasts and on the editorial side. Not YouTube, obviously, but on Facebook. Every time there's an article published on Behind the Still Curtain, you'll find it on Facebook. Uh, within an you know, Michael Beck does a great job with our social media content. So please check us out. And until I talk to you guys again, have a great weekend and go Steelers. <laughs>